Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today on the show. And I'll just tell you this, uh, Darren and I plan out our topics here on the show a little while in advance. And then a lot of times I just walk into the studio and I go, boy, I don't remember what we were going to talk about on today's show. I look down at my sheet and I go, oh no, replanting decisions. <laughs> I hope you don't have to replant on your farm. But we're going to talk a little today about the the stand counts we might be looking for, the herbicides that have already been applied, just some of the things, I mean, what time of year it is, just some of the things you got to consider here. And of course, insurance enters into this. There are a lot of things that kind of go into it. So we're going to talk about that throughout the show today. If you'd like to give us a call here and talk about anything happening on your farm or if you got a replant question for us, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us radio at agphd.com or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, let's start off on the phone lines here. We've got Jim with us out in Ohio with an easy question just to tee things off for us. How are you doing, Jim? Is it an easy question or is it a tough one? Well, it's tough for me, but easy for you. <laughs> well, easy when we don't have to deal with it, right, in our field, but you've got a challenge. What is it burr cucumber? Is that what you want to talk about? Yes, yes, and I uh, put uh, tribold on it for pre-emerge. And I've got some burp cucumber coming through. You know that that and is a tough I, that is a tough weed, and we hear a lot of folks say not just in in May June we hear it popping up late in the season. Do you often see it pop up yeah. in July August too? Yep, yep, it grows all summer long. Now, where do you see it? Uh, I've heard I've heard some folks say that they see it more in the low ground than they do in the up ground. Is that accurate, or do you see it kind of everywhere? I see it more sandier spots where it's the heavier ground. It doesn't like heavy ground. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and that's something neat. One thing that has been kind of cool, too, talking about different weed species is just looking at, well, what soils do they like? What conditions do they like? What nutrients do they like or nutrient imbalance do they like? And one of the things, like, like just an example, a lot of folks right now are asking us about dandelions. Where do we see more dandelions? Often it's where we have low calcium levels, and it's it's really interesting. Like, for example, we've got one uh, driveway that's that separates two different fields and on one side of that road solid dandelions the other side you won't even find a dandelion it, it's just two different fields managed differently and I, I think i don't know that that's the answer for burr cucumber that we could change the weed or the nutrient balance up but i know there's some herbicide things we could do right now to try and knock it well out. yeah i mean when you talk about nutrients then you want to try to choke the weed out by having fantastic crop going maybe even narrow rows worst case scenario if you had to but i want to come back to this trivolt that you put down so it's a new one that's out there from bear and they've been really talking about this product what's in it if you look at these active ingredients it's Balance Flex, Varro, which is an ALS, and Define, that's an old Group 15 herbicide. So the, the challenge here is you've got one mode of action that's actually real good on burr cucumber. Balance Flex is about the best pre you can find. But the problem is the Varro doesn't do a whole lot, neither does the Define in there. So if I was going to say, okay, what could I change for next year for my pre? I like having balanced flex out. That's a good idea. But if it was me, I might throw verdict with it or even just plain sharpen um, if you just want 
something that would have activity on burr cucumber because the group 15 and you, that ALS varro, they aren't going to do much on it. So post-emerge, we really like uh, we like status, throw a little atrazine with it if you can, and that generally helps it. So that that's the best way to go post-emerge in corn. Um, otherwise, like I say, the cultural practice is basically just try to raise the best crop you possibly can, get it growing up and fast. Hopefully it chokes out the burr cucumber. But yeah, it's, it is a tough weed. And there are a lot of people that really struggle with this one because we don't have a tremendous amount of great herbicides. All right, Brian, here's one thing too. When, when you look at nutrients, and this is from the, uh, the book When Weeds Talk by Jay McCammon. Uh, and he says with burr cucumber, one thing they've noticed is it likes high levels of calcium, very high levels of potassium, high levels of magnesium, and high levels of sulfates. But it also seems wait a second. To thrive... It basically likes high no, levels no, hold of all on. nutrients. Hold Go on. ahead. <laughs> but where but where there's low levels of phosphate, and it's interesting. Oh. <laughs> so I'm just kind of curious if if uh, you say it likes the sandy levels. soils, and I wonder in the sandy soils, are we low in phosphate there? Where in the heavy ground that it doesn't seem to like, maybe we're holding on <laughs> to some more phosphates. Just might be something to look if you notice any differences in those soil tests. But I, I just thought that was kind of interesting that that it would be like that. Okay, so uh, I like to spray it before it gets tall enough to put drops on. Yep. You'd say status. What if you got yes. beans right in the next field? Well, then you wait until the wind's blowing out of the other direction. So, what, I mean, what oh, trade what trade are I the know. beans? Just curious. Are they are they by any They're chance They're roundup beans. Just straight roundup. Yep. Yeah. So, no, I I'm with you, Jim. I understand the concern and this is one of the challenges we run into where you go, "Okay, I've already used an HPPD pre so unless I want to go back to corn again next year, I should not use an HPPD post. Um, that pretty much leaves you with dicamba or status, at least the main weed killer is not dicamba. It's only got the equivalent of four ounces of old clarity if you're using the five ounce rate of status. So it's at least a low rate of dicamba, but I don't, I don't really know what else you're going to do. What about it's uh, glyphosate-resistant corn? What if I spray glyphosate on it? Well, okay, and let me, let me rephrase this whole thing. I'm going to throw the, the Roundup in there, and so I apologize. I guess I just kind of assumed we were, we were talking that, and I shouldn't have assumed that. So if it's, if it's Roundup-resistant corn, am I throwing Roundup in there? I'm absolutely doing that for sure. Um, so, and then I'm going to add something else along with it. My preference is status with a little bit of atrazine. Um, you could also go old buckteril if you would like to try that. Uh, buckteril is actually real good on things like wild buckwheat that are fairly similar, somewhat similar to burr cucumber. So it won't be as good as status. But if you go, hey, I don't want to use an HPPD because he used one down. I don't want to go dicamba. Uh, you're left with buckteril or tough. Those are your, about your only two choices we have left. I'd probably go with some buckteril and give that a shot if it was me. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. 
Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Ant? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Ant herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just talking replant decisions. Right before the break, we were speaking with Jim out in Ohio about his burr, burr cucumber issue in corn. Uh, Jim, what do you think? You got more questions on that? Yeah, I got one question. Sure. I got an Ohio State weed book here, Yep. and it says you should use peak. Uh, well, you could. How many years do you want to plant corn in that field? Oh, well, I didn't know. I, didn't I think know the rotation to soybean. Was. I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head here, so don't quote me on this. I can look it up in just a second. I probably should. I literally have the information right here. But I'm going to guess first because that's more fun. So I think it's 30 months rotating back to soybeans with peak. And I'll see if I can find that here real quick. Uh, let's see. Peak and, oh, I'm wrong. 22 months. So 22 months. months. Yep. Uh, yep. 22 months to soybeans. But the, the concern is, do you have, how's your soil pH? Uh, do you know roughly where your soil pH is? Is it in the sixes and the sevens and the fives? It's, uh, it's in, a, in a high six, low sevens. Okay. Um, if I remember right, again, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, with the peak, it'll be a little bit worse for carryover in high pH soils. Again, don't quote me, but I think that that's the case with peak uh, because it is an ALS herbicide. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, where I'm going with this is I would not feel comfortable planting soybeans for three years. And so if you want to wow. go corn for the next three years, you could potentially do that. And by the way, there, okay. are, there are other crops you can't rotate to either, probably none that you're going to grow. But uh, but yeah, that's the issue we have with peak. That's why, I'll be honest, I think peak came out probably 20 years ago. I have yet to recommend it a single time. Well, it's, that's what I see here in our book. They didn't say you can't rotate, so <laughs> we'll just throw that away. <laughs> yep, so that one I'm probably going to skip. 
but good question. Okay, so status, <laughs> status, and uh... status is my preference. Uh, but then, like I was saying, if you wanted to try Bucktrill, you certainly could. Uh, Bucktrill or Tough, they're basically about the same See, type of product. The, Go ahead. The ones that the, the ones that came up are kind of looking a little bit pale and sickly. Oh, I'm sure they are because that Balance like Flex is pretty good. On. Yep, the Balance Flex is pretty good. The Varo's got a little activity. The Define probably, nah, I don't think that's going to do much at all. But but anyway, yeah, the I, I'm sure that they're sick. And, oh, let me ask you this. Have you had a whole lot of rain here in the last two weeks? No. No, we're we're yep. two and a half inches short this month. Okay, yeah, we're we're almost a hundred percent short this month. So I, I I feel you on that one. But if you had had more rain in the last two weeks, some of those weeds, I will bet you, would not have come up. Because Balance Flex is a pre probably. is pretty good. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yep. well, that's the trouble is. Yep, I know. I, I'm with you. We we have the same thing going on on our farm. Not with burr cucumber, other weeds though. But yeah, the pre's aren't going to so work as good. Eight, but Putting Atrex on there wouldn't help if we don't get any rain. It has burn down activity. Okay. Yep. Okay. So all the products that I mentioned, whether it's Atrazine, Status, Bucktril, Callisto, I mean, they all have burn down activity on this burr cucumber. So do I love throwing more HPPD out? No, because I would tell you, hey, you got to rotate back to corn. So I'm throwing that out. So I'd just say you got Bucktril. You got status. Those are your two choices to go along with your Roundup. Otherwise, you're praying that the Roundup is going to work better than it does for most people because it's usually a little weak on those vine species like burr cucumber. Well, it's not vining out yet. They're just uh, That's good. Like in a three-leaf stage. Perfect. That's the time to kill it. So, yeah, you got you, yeah. you got a chance with Roundup. It might work. Uh, it's just that by the time you, if it doesn't work, by the time you go back out there, you're going to go, oh, wow, now my stuff, now stuff's a little big. Yeah. So, yep. Trouble is it's, it's going to get hot here in the next few days and they spray yep. status. I'm afraid it's going to take off. Okay. Well, you uh, keep in mind status as a safener and it only has a very low rate of dicamba. So I wouldn't be real worried about that. I really wouldn't. You but won't. The, nope, I would okay. not. But the other side is if you want to throw Bucktrill in, okay, you just told me it's going to be hot. You know what happens when it's hot with Bucktrill? It's going to give you a little more leaf burn. So the good news here is you should get a better kill <laughs> when it's warm. Yeah. Usually yeah. these herbicides work better, but yeah, you will see yeah. a little bit more crop response. Not a big deal. I'm not worried. If it was my field, would I worry about spraying? Absolutely not. I'd do it and get it over with. Yeah, the corn's already shooting the fifth leaf already, and I gotta should get out there yep. sooner than later. Yes, that's right. Yep, I agree. All right. Hey, good okay, luck, Jim. Well, thanks for the information. Yeah, you, okay. You yep, appreciate All right. it. Let's go next to uh, Brian, who's calling in with uh, a flooded field, apparently. That goes almost right along with our replant topic here. Brian, how you doing today? Yeah, not too bad. So anyway, we had a, a field that <clears throat> went underwater this well, probably a month ago. Okay. And we haven't been able to get into it until just last Friday. Okay. The river surrounds it on three sides, on the north side, the east side, and the south side. Got it. And we've lost about a third of the field. Yep. But... You know, because of potholes and stuff, it's just, you know, killed about a third of it. Yeah. But there's two-thirds of it that looks pretty good. Okay. As a matter of fact, you know, for this year, I would say it's almost as good-looking wheat as anything around, other than it went underwater a month ago and then 
the the ground the river because of the way it flows around is sub irrigating that field and there's no way to shut it off <laughs> oh I, i'm quite familiar with uh, that kind of situation we farm some river bottom ground too so what's your what what's your question then well, my question is, this is coming into flag leaf. We got a good yep. stand on it. Yep. It's yellow as can be, which probably doesn't surprise you. Yep. The only way we can do anything is with an airplane. Oh, gotcha. And what we've been thinking about is we we can either fly on some dry urea. Yep. And we were thinking 75 pounds or something like that. Sure. Or... I don't know how much liquid we would dare put on top of it with an airplane or a helicopter. I mean, that's, yep. that's what the problem is. Yep. And you're going to wind up with a lot of leaf burn. Yep. But it gives you also the chance you can throw some headline in with it, too. Okay. Probably, which would not hurt it. Right. But but here's the thing. I mean, most of the time with helicopter or plane, they only like to put one to three gallons on. Five gallons, if you pay them extra— well, I mean, five gallons, you're only getting 15 pounds of, uh, of nitrogen out there, whereas 75 pounds of urea, you've got, uh, let's see, what would that be? Uh, like, call it 35. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you'd get a lot more nitrogen on the other way. So, And the other thing, you're 100% right. You're going to burn those leaves if you put, let's say, three or five gallons of 28% out there. It's not going to be horrific if it's only three gallons, but still, well, I, I, I like having water with it. And my thinking was because, see, because of the way the river's still running and stuff, yep. there's plenty of moisture that it would recover from the leaf burn pretty quick, so that wouldn't be a huge concern, I wouldn't think. Well, I could argue the other way, though, that your roots are damaged because you don't have enough air in the soil and your microbes aren't helping you out uh, that would be in the soil. They've they've died off now. So I think you need as much help as you can get out there. I, I mean, if if you said, OK, Brian, these are my only two choices, I would vote for the dry urea, I'll be honest. And I, I, I mean, well, it, we do have one third option. OK. And I don't know what you're idea with this would be do nothing and take what you get yep i mean a month ago we totally wrote it off when the river came oh, sure. up and put yep. all that water on it but now we're looking at you know no that's that's not what we want to do now yep you know i yep. mean I hate to say this, and you're probably not going to want to hear this answer, but I mean, this is one of the things where a lot of times Darren and I will debate this the exact kind of conversation we're having right now. I realize different circumstances, Mm -hmm. but we'll usually say, you know what, let's just try a couple of things, and then we're going to know better for next time what worked and what didn't. Because, I I mean, my vote, if I had a choice, I think throwing the dry urea out there is going to be the best way to go. Your liquid answer could be right because maybe having the fungicide out there will be necessary. I agree. It, it's probably more likely to get disease. The do-nothing option is also a possibility because you've had serious crop damage. Is the crop going to generate enough money to pay for that extra expense you've had? So, yeah, I, I, I could argue all three ways. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My mom's got a new case ice tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah. 
her case, IH Tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren, broadcasting from the Morton studio. We're going to get back to our, our main topic today, replanting decisions, in just a second. I just I, I was wrapping up with Brian from, we believe, out in Utah, and we had a question. He had a question about this wheat where two-thirds of it was still alive, at least. Only a third of it got killed. And the question was basically, should I put dry urea on? Should I go liquid nitrogen over the top or should I do nothing? It's really hard to say for sure how that's going to pan out. I still would vote doing the dry urea and I'd give that a shot. Um, I think that would be the direction I would go. But the other thing is we always like to look on our own farm at, okay, how do I actually solve a problem for the long term if it's next to the river so what we've done by a couple of our river fields is put in drain tile put in a lift station and pump the water right back into the river so when the river level comes up even if it's not to a flood stage the thing is it sub irrigates and he mentioned that it's basically sub irrigating that ground okay so you're going to 
artificially raise that water table up on the river bottom ground. That's exactly what we've experienced for years. So we just want to make sure we're keeping the water table down to about a three foot depth or so. As long as we can do that, then there's plenty of room for the crop to grow. And it does exceptionally well because that water table will basically stay there a lot of times uh, because, again, it is to some degree sub-irrigated. All right, uh, let's get back to our main topic, replanting decisions. All right, got our friend Tony Mundler on with Farm Shop MFG. He's been hanging on there for a while and amongst all these questions. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing excellent today, Darren. Got a little rain over in the weekend or last night, yesterday, and some sprinkles right now, so... Excellent. Excellent. You guys doing getting that out in uh, South Dakota? Uh, sprinkles. Yeah, I think our, our weatherman uh, out of Sioux Falls said we got ten or twelve raindrops out of this thing, so not bad. But... Hey, one of our fields got seven wow. tenths. Yeah, over, we got we got Florida. a little bit. It's yeah. been it's been really spotty though this year, and you know some of the guys are fighting crusting issues. Some of the guys. Uh, you know, any kind of planting issue that showed up with the planter this year, uh, <laughs> the, the, there's some wildly different emergences and a lot of questions around this replanting. What are you hearing? A lot of like what you're talking. You know, there, there are people you get in some of the wetter conditions in the east, uh, didn't get the furrows shut correctly, and uh, that's an issue. The, uh, the furrow dries out and the uh, seed uh, dies, plant dies with the dry dirt. Uh, afterward if it doesn't uh, stay wet few conversations like that uh the uh, the crusting um i kind of looked a little bit in, in uh, my bean fields was kind of worried they they kind of broke through it um i obviously had some drowned out and mentioned that a few, couple weeks ago got those that was replanted but uh yes comments just like that are the the people who uh call and talk to me and at uh one of the things the the crust is tough to deal with it's it's just what uh, Mother Nature gave you at this time. The um, where you didn't get the furrow closed right, I'm always you, you need to go and dig. Always go back, take a look at the job you're doing, and uh, make sure you got the planter set right. And uh, one of the other things is uh, you got the right equipment there closing that furrow. I'm uh, as you might think, I'm a real fan of germinators. They uh, do an awesome job in the different conditions. So. Uh, very important though need to the things that you can impact get back there take a look and uh see if you need to change your plan and, and uh, get a better decision going okay here's one tony we've had questions i was just talking to a guy today super dry area and just didn't they had crusting issues they're gonna have to do some replanting and he said okay what do i do different now the ground is so hard and so dry do I wait for a rain, or is there something I can do to go in there and, and plant uh, and do a good job planting? The um, You may or may not agree with this. My first thing is I'd get out there with a shovel. If there's moisture down there, he's got crusting, so he's had rain sometime. The uh, When we're looking at dry conditions, uh, I would really like to plant back into stale tillage and hold that moisture down there, then uh, open that field up and lose a bunch of moisture. So the uh, the two things with that are, if there's moisture down there, one of the things about uh, the way our wheel closes that furrow, we have that uh, firm vein right there at the seed zone, and it enhances the capillary and wicks water up from the ground below. It will get your seeds wet. I've It's kind of fun, I've had multiple farmers uh, talk to me this spring and say, hey, I've heard you talk about it. It really does happen. 
I've uh, witnessed it in mine this year. So you just got to get the moisture at the bottom of the furrow. And um, if you got uh, your planter set right, you're going to open that thing up. So you'll, you'll get your furrow open and uh, you'll get it closed and then get the wicking of the moisture and uh, keep it going. So I'm, if you're dry, let's not lose any more moisture. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Tony. Well, there's a lot of tough decisions. Whenever you start bringing up replant decisions, it's not easy. Uh, you can find out some more information about what Tony was talking about at farmshopmfg.com. Uh, Tony, thanks for being on. Really appreciate it. Talk to you again soon. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Let's head out east. Got Heath Cutrell on with us right now out in Virginia. He's with the Extreme Ag Group. How you doing, Heath? Hey, what's cooking? Well, we're talking replant today, and I hope you aren't in that situation, but I'm sure if you farmed more than a few years, which you have, uh, you probably run into that once or twice. What are some of the things when you get into that situation where you're just not happy with your stand and you're deciding to replant? How, how do you make those calls? Well, unfortunately, uh, we like farming so much, we like to do it twice sometimes. Uh, <laughs> And when we planted our corn this year, uh, some of our corn, we finished up to the end of uh, April, and unfortunately, we had about five inches of rain on the last corn that we planted. Um, so we're, we were in that position this year where we replanted about 280 acres of corn. Oofta. Yeah. And you, know, you hear so many guys, Heath, say, yep, it was the corn that went in on May 4th or the corn that went in on May 12th, you know, depending on your area. And when you got that hard packing rain like that, pretty hard yep. to uh, yep. hard to deal. I mean, nobody forecasts. Yeah, we're going to have five inches coming an hour or something like that. But occasionally it does. So what do you do then? How When that ground is hard like that, do you have to do some tillage along with it? Or is it something that uh, the ground will be fit? We just need to get the planter back through. Well, so what I was seeing on our farm was uh, we we had some corn that had merged. Uh, I made several phone calls to different chemical specialists, and uh, we just went back the old school way with a uh, hard cold steel. We took a field cultivator out there, plowed it back up, and uh, came back one one more pass with the field cultivator and a color packer just to firm the ground. And we uh, started from scratch and went right on back with it. Um, I can't stand planting you know in and out of corn that's there that's not there because you know your emergence is not all there and you know everything becomes a weed then at that point so that's kind of the route that we take you know i i tend to agree with you heath that i, I want stuff to look good and if i'm gonna have to replant i don't want to I don't want to go halfway on things and, well, I'm going to replant, but I'm not going to do fertilizer this time, or I'm going to replant, I'm not going to use a herbicide, or I'm not going to worry about this or spend any extra dollars. I, I just think you have to go for it each time as a farmer, but that's me. How, what do you guys think? If, if you're coming back in a situation like that on, on those 280 acres, I mean, you're still throwing everything at it, going for 300-plus bushel corn? So we do. We we went right on back in there and did pretty much the same program that we started with, and uh, really glad that that's the call that I made. Uh, and on Extreme Ag's page, I posted a few times. We you know where we actually tilled the corn up that was looked terrible, and then you know several weeks later, uh, the corn that had emerged was just absolutely perfect. And to this day, I mean, what a great decision it was. Uh, the corn couldn't be any prettier right now. 
That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, uh, I, I'm glad to hear it turned out well, and I know it's no fun doing that work twice, uh, but sometimes, like you say, it just you can't beat Mother Nature. She just throws a curveball at you. Uh, Heath, glad to hear you're doing well out there. Hope to talk to you again soon down the road. Yep, you guys have a good day. Thank you. You as well. Talking about replanting decisions, I know it's something we don't want to have to think about too much, but occasionally you have to pull the trigger on that and it's the right move for your farm. So if you want to contribute to the discussion, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Hi. I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. It's painful to pay high prices for nitrogen. Even more painful to know that a chunk of the end will not be there when the plant needs it. The solution is 360 Y-Drop. With 360 Y-Drop, you apply right before the plant's rapid uptake cycle. You can adjust your rate, resupply lost nitrogen, or cut the rate if conditions are right. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, having that hard conversation about replanting decisions. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to join in or if you have an agronomic question, we can help you with. Got Mark Licht with us right now with Iowa State. And Mark, I've heard about some crusting issues over in Iowa. I'm sure there's some other weather-related things that have led to replant decisions. Uh, Thanks for joining us today to talk about it. Yeah, always glad to be with you. You know, when it's early May and someone has to replant, I don't know that there are a lot of tough decisions, but when we get towards the end of May, first part of June, uh, it gets a little trickier. Uh, I know you've got data to assess, well, uh, 15,000 stand on corn is good or it's not good. Uh, what are some of those numbers for the state of Iowa? What, what are kind of the cutoffs on corn and soybeans that you look at and say, man, if you get past this point, you pretty much got to replant? Yeah, so, you know, as you're well aware, right, it, it's all a, a matter of, you know, basically what is that replanting date and how does that impact yields and then kind of calculating backwards, you know, with the existing stand and how much that loss is, right? Um, but general rule of thumb is once we get down to about 20,000 on corn, uh, then we start running into some weed management issues. And so, um, well, yeah, maybe maybe late, um, you know, and, it, and that may be a, a, a hard spot, right? Um, you know, that 20,000, I, I, I typically put it as a cutoff point just from the standpoint of we just don't want those weeds to be coming through. And so it might be worth putting out um, in replanting just to be able to, to, to alleviate that aspect of it. On soybeans, it's a little bit different. Um, soybeans are able to compete really well. And so um, for, you know, I'll say early June timeframe, you know, we may be looking at um, anywhere from like, oh, I'll say 75 to 85,000 is is a stand we're keeping. Uh, If we get into, you know, the latter part of, you know, June, you know, then we'd even say, you know, if we have 60,000, that's probably still good. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, the tough thing too is, it's not always the same as you go across the field. It's, well, this area has got 50,000 soybeans in it, and parts of the field have 110. Well, can you replant just those spots with the 50? Or the the real question we get is, well, I got 50. They're really small yet. Can I just stick another 40 or 50 or 60 right next to that? Yeah, and, and I, I would agree. I think that's the way to go. Um, soybeans are, uh, you know, resilient and yeah, sure. You're going to run a, run a little bit over when you go in and thicken up the existing stand. Um, but typically speaking, that's, that's still going to be better. Um, you know, let, let that early planted stuff out there, um, thicken it up, you know, maybe target, you know, 140,000 still. Um, so if you're at 60,000, go ahead and put in another 80,000, um, get, give it a, a really good chance to thicken up, get uh, good weed control, but still maintain, some of that yield potential. You know, when we look at corn plants, boy, there's some good size to some of these corn plants now. And if there are patches out there that didn't make it, I think we might've waited too long. What What's your cutoff on that? If you say, well, gosh, once you got past V4 corn, you can't really go back and patch in new stuff. Or do you think we still can if we shorten maturities enough? You know, I think if you shorten maturities, I, I'm comfortable patching in corn until, oh, I'll say June 15th or so. Um, you know, that, that's probably my cutoff for wanting to 
to really fill in the, you know, the wet spots or if you had crusting or things like that. Um, the difference is, is, you know, can you get equipment in there to, to, to get them replanted, you know, easily enough, right? Um, because in, in that situation, I think you do want to tear up kind of the old, um, you know, in, in those uh, patchy areas or, or um, low density areas, right? Um, and so it's just a matter of can you even get the equipment in there? And, and by the time you get to V4 to V6, it gets a little bit more tricky. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. And all right, help us out on this one, Mark, because a lot of times guys will say, well, I got some hail and it looks terrible and I want to replant. And we'll pull up charts from Iowa State and say, you can take a lot of hail on those soybeans. It's not really going to hurt yield. Is that real, Mark? I know you've been out there. You've done the research. Maybe you've even run that ice machine out in those plots. Is that is that serious? Will soybeans still yield even if they lose most of their leaves now? Oh, yeah. They'll still recover. Um, same, same thing really with corn, um, early stage corn up to V4, uh, v, and maybe even up to V6, right? You know, they're going to recover from it. They'll put out new leaves. Um, and they'll do just fine. They may have a slight bit of delay to them, but uh, yield-wise, um, they can they can still respond even to some pretty severe hail uh, this time of year. Uh, both with corn and soybeans, you know, as you get later in the year, especially you know mid-season on corn, um, that's the the peak time frame where you really don't want hail. And then uh, soybeans, you know, um, they're quite honestly they're resilient. You know, as as you go further and further out. Um, you just end up with, you know, higher yield penalties, you know, all the way out there until roughly harvest, right? So um, this early early season hail events um, are really quite easy to, I'll say easy to manage if you can stand looking at them for, for a few more weeks while they put out new leaves. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of tough things that can happen out in fields. I love the hope here. I love the optimism, Mark, that, hey, things can still be okay. Hey, you still have some time. You can still get decent yields out there. Uh, you can even patch in spots if you need to. Uh, we're talking with Mark Licht with Iowa State. Mark, thank you so much for the work you do, and thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, just to wrap up our topic here, just – these are a few of the things that I look at. Number one, I like looking at the field just to see, okay, how bad is my stand? How big are the gaps too? So in other words, is it consistent where I lost stand or do I have gaps? If I have gaps, that's more problematic. The other thing, it, it's really to me beyond just, okay, I've lost plants or I kept plants. What kind of shape are those remaining plants in? So for example, is there stock damage if it's a little bit later in the year? I mean, then do I count the plant as 100% if I got stock damage? Uh, here's the other thing. Uh, what's my yield goal at that point? And you got to be realistic about that. So if I'm planting right now, I still have really high yield goals in our area for corn and beans. Uh, wheat, not quite as much. And, you know, some other crops might be okay. So I, it it's just, it really varies on your region and what you think you can raise after this point. But here's the thing. No one really knows because we don't know what the weather is going to do the rest of the year. Is it going to be a hot year or a cold year? Is it going to be a wet year or dry year? So you don't know. It's just you're taking a more educated guess to say, all right, historically, here's kind of how things have panned out. The other thing that I do talk to people about, when you start getting real late, Cutting your corn population because your yield goal is less 
and increasing your soybean population. You might think, what? My, my yield goal is a little bit less with soybeans. I should be cutting. No. The reason why is because you want to get those beans up and you want to capture as much sunlight as possible. It's hard enough to get beans to canopy when you plant early. When you plant late, it's really tough. So we want to choke the weeds out because that's another big issue that we have later on in the season is weeds. But I want to take a look at that soybean population, potentially increase it. And if I have the option, I'd like to go to narrower rows if I get real late. So I'm not talking about a week or two past normal. I'm talking a month or two past normal, especially as you come north in the United States and into Canada. I'd prefer narrow rows if I'm planting real late in soybeans. Also, either way, corn, beans, whatever crop it is you're raising, you're probably going to have to go to an earlier variety in the north. And then the last thing that I wanted to bring up is really... What have you done for herbicides? Because at this time of year, and especially once we get well into June, a lot of people say, well, I don't really want to replant corn back in there, but I want to plant beans. (laughs) I think you see where I'm going with this. If you put a pre down, or maybe in some cases even sprayed an early post in corn, you're kind of stuck to plant corn again. So be real careful about what you're rotating to. Uh, There certainly has not been a lot of time between whenever the pre went on or especially if there was an early post product in whatever crop you're raising to now say, hey, I want to switch to a different crop. So just be cautious about that because that's the last thing you want to have happen. Um, I, I, I will say, and Darren mentioned this already, unfortunately, sooner or later if you farm, you're going to have to replant something for some reason. So the biggest suggestion that I have for you is don't get emotional. If you get emotional, then you might not make the wisest decision. Try to take the emotion out. Step back. Take a deep breath. It happens to everybody. Just try to use your head. Be logical and make the best financial decision for your farm. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutritia N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutritia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. You understand there are ways to boost your yield, but can you do it while reducing your inputs? With Plant Insights, powered by Prospera, you can. With center pivot mounted cameras to monitor crop health, Plant Insights captures thousands of leaf level images with each pivot rotation. Growers receive reports to mitigate issues like pests, weeds, emergence, disease, and more. Put inputs where they matter most. Contact your local Valley dealer today or visit agtechonthefarm.com. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. 
you won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. CNB, your local John Deere dealer, is committed to helping you in the field. The CNB Support Center brings you machine monitoring, remote diagnostics, and guidance from expert technology specialists all season long. Learn more about what the CNB Support Center can do for you at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We've been talking about replanting decisions, but we're going to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag and take your questions for the rest of the show. It's the mailbag! If you'd like to send in a question, it's radio at agphd.com or just call us at 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, Brian, I'm going to start with a lawn question here for you. And I know this is one of the things as planting wraps up in the north, a lot of people start talking about their lawns. And this one is interesting. Coming off a, a big winter where we had lots of snow, Grant says, uh, when you spread a lot of, of salt on your driveway, right next to it now, the grass doesn't grow very well. Just wondering, what can you do to neutralize the salt in the soil to get the grass growing? I was thinking about lime or gypsum. What do you think? I think water. As long as you have good drainage, salts are leachable. Just flush it out with a whole bunch of water. It, I mean, you can do this with an overload of a lot of different things. Nitrogen, sulfur, boron, salt. I mean, these are all leachables. So if you put a whole bunch of water to it and you have good drainage, then you should be fine. You shouldn't need anything else. Why would you want gypsum? Okay, if it was sodium, then that would be one thing because I want to turn the sodium into a salt. But just from what you've described, it sounds like you have a salt problem. I just flush it out with water. So if you want to send us a soil test and then we can take a look at it, we can give you a potentially more precise recommendation. But yeah, if all we're talking about is an excess of salt, just throw a whole bunch of water on it and you're fine. It'd be the same thing out in the field. So let's say you put a whole bunch of manure out there uh, and, and there's too much salt, you could also flush that out with water if you want to. Just keep in mind the, the good things, like, like I was saying, nitrogen and sulfur and boron are going to disappear too, potentially. Uh, but you can't get rid of things like sodium and some of the other cations. That's where we start talking about gypsum and, and other methods. If 
we're talking calcium, is it possible that we have a high magnesium soil so we have poor drainage and maybe you need better calcium levels to hopefully improve the porosity in your in your lawn and improve that internal drainage? That's possible. I don't know without looking at the soil test, but hopefully you can just solve this problem with water and you're good. Thanks for the question. Jeff up in Manitoba sent us a comment. He said, you guys are talking about deer uh, hurting your cornfields. I've got a buddy of mine that's growing some soybeans in his cornfield, and they seem to leave the corn alone. They prefer the soybeans. He, we, we've also started growing some forage sorb soybeans that come from way down south in the U.S. somewhere. So it might be an option for you. Sprinkle some soybeans in your outside corn now rows, I, and maybe they'll eat the beans first. Yes, but maybe that's also going to attract more deer. I don't know. So I could see it both ways. It's just it's a tough problem. We, we've talked about this quite often here on the show. Deer can be a pest for the crop, just like uh, corn rootworms or soybean aphids. And in fact, I think they're going to be worse. It's just they're usually on in field borders. So thankfully, we don't have this problem in most fields like on our farm. It's mainly just down by the river. But anyway, yeah, it, it can be it can be tough. And I don't have a great solution. All right, get a question from Jay that came in. Hey, was watching a recent Ag PhD show. Uh, wondering what you had put for herbicides to control the weed of the week. Uh, so he referenced the day May 28th, and I looked that up, and it looks like uh, the last weed of the week then was Bolthus. So I'm assuming it was the the current show, not a rerun that, that one of the channels had run or something like that. So for Bolthus, you know, we like to have Milestone in the mix, whether that's using Duracore or using Chaparral or even just using Milestone straight. That's been the best thing I've seen on thistles in pasture and non-crop areas. Right, it is. But, I mean, there are a lot of ways to kill these biennial thistles like bull thistle. A lot of people just use 2,4-D like Freelex. It, it's okay. Uh, it's just Milestone is better, and it leaves residual. So all depends on what we're after. But, yeah, it was probably Milestone. All right, for uh, next question that comes from Jacob down in south-central Iowa. He said... Guys, in regards to a recent show you had about fungicide application and that V4, V8 window in corn, I'm just curious. We're going to mix a whole bunch of different things together on our post-emerge trip, and I'm wondering about any watch-out. So here's what we're doing. Kind of a standard mix, Resicor XL plus atrazine and glyphosate. That's something a lot of guys are doing. But he said, we're going to add in some surfactant, which again is probably not a big issue, but we want to put micronutrients in, and we also are thinking about adding Quilt XL as a fungicide. Is this going to get too hot? Are we going to have issues trying to get all those things to mix? I've heard mixed answers in our local area. Just curious what your response would be. Yeah, I, I think we talked about this on the show the other day, but I'm not really that worried about it. So uh, you have to always break these things down and say, all right, what's harmful for corn? And so atrazine, not at all. You're going to have zero issues there. Uh, then Roundup in Roundup-ready corn, hopefully you have almost zero issues there, non-ionic surfactant, nothing. So then it's just the Resicor, and this new Resicor XL supposedly burns the crop a little bit less. It's mainly the, the surpass that's in there. So, you know, beyond that, you've got 
Python and Stinger, no real big watch outs there. And even the Surpass, the Group 15, not a major burner. So the micronutrients, what I said the other day was, hey, if you're up to two or three gallons of micronutrients, then I'm starting to get a little worried because you're going to add more burn. I'm assuming you're probably only using a quart or something around that kind of level, so not a big deal. Quilt XL will give you a little bit of burn. It's just, it's nothing major. You got quadris and tilt, basically. So the tilt, the triazole, will give you a little little more burn than, than uh, almost anything in there other than the micros. But no, I'm not worried about mixing all that stuff together. We do similar things on our own farm. Okay, I uh, got some soil samples here. This came in from Christian. He said, uh, guys, soil sampling is pretty new to us. So we pulled a bunch of samples here. On every other one, we took all the micros as well. Uh, so I will send you all this. There's a big stack here that I'm handing Brian, the summary sheets. Yeah, so. I think I looked through all this. And go ahead. What was the number? Was it 43? Because uh, nope. he said specifically. At a, go ahead. Read the question. Okay, well, it's it's a long question. Yeah, he said, yep, yep, around point forty three was yep. was one of the things yes. that that you asked. Um, so anyway, after talking about that, it gave him some ideas. But but you said you wanted to see soil tests here, and so he yeah. he said we have, we've got some compaction issues. Do you see things on these soil tests that would lead to compaction, or is it more how we're doing our tillage? We've had some hard rains, that kind of stuff too. Uh, my thinking for this field is how fine the soil is the hard rain we had and how shallow the tillage was yep. that 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 all led to it. Yeah, okay. So let's just talk about the, the factors we've got here. First of all, cation exchange capacity is about 17. So we're going to consider this kind of a medium textured soil. When I take a look at all right, how much calcium do I have and how much magnesium do I have? Um, so like magnesium for example, it's somewhere around 14 Let's see, I got two different things here, so I'm not exactly sure. But 14 or 20%. The 20%, you know, if it's 20%, it's a little bit concerning to me. Probably not an enormously huge deal, but I'm I'm slightly worried about that. But, I mean, there it looks like there's a fair amount of calcium in the soil. The, the challenge with this is I don't see sodium on here, and I always like to see sodium. How 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 is our test for sodium percentage? Because if it's exceptionally high, then we got a real problem, and that could be causing that compaction. So, like on the calcium, we're about seventy-two percent. You know, it's just fine. On this other test, he's got sixty-five percent, pretty good. Could it be a hair better? Yes, but those are the main things that I'm looking at. If I see very high magnesium, I got much more chance for soil compaction. But I don't have that sodium reading, so that's my only concern. Uh, beyond that, I guess I'd just say, it, like his P1 phosphorus levels were 72. His base sat, percent base saturation K was only 2.3. The biggest yield limiting factor I see here is lack of K, uh, along with sulfur. There's uh, it, Sulfur wasn't tested everywhere, but in a lot of these, there's 10 pounds of sulfur. It's just, it's not a lot. So nothing to do with the compaction or very little to do with compaction. But anyway, just something I noticed. All right, uh, then then a field day question. Uh, Victoria said, hey, guys, I would love more information on Molly B coming to your field day. Is she having a dance? That's awesome. <laughs> well, you can dance if you want to, but it is a field day outdoors. But we have an area set up, and she's been here in the past, too. So uh, three different times, and it's all morning and early afternoon when she'd be playing. 
Yeah, we're excited about field day this year. I just actually drove just, by the field day site yeah, this morning. Yeah, it just great. Just go to agphd.com to learn more about the field day and anything else we're doing here at AgPhD. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more AgPhD radio.